Best in Chat Radio, designed just for you. Welcome to this week's edition of America's Voice for Energy. I'm Marita Noon, and each week I have the opportunity to interview experts on the topic of my weekly column. This week, my column was titled, Finally, Courage to Counterpunch the Green Bullies. I became aware of this story when someone emailed something to me, a link to an article, and I discovered that a company, a Canadian company by the name of Resolute Forest Products, had filed a lawsuit on May 31st against Greenpeace, and it's a RICO lawsuit, and later in the show we're going to talk to the attorney on this case to explain that to us. But first, we're going to talk with Patrick Moore, who is one of the original founders of Greenpeace. And that's who this lawsuit is filed against, Greenpeace and some other environmental NGOs, non-governmental organizations, as they call them. And in my article, in my column this week, which you can find on townhall.com, Breitbart.com and American Spectator at Spectator.org, just to list a few of the places where you can find it. Patrick Moore gave me a quote, and because uh, we talked about this particular case, and he told me that he was disappointed that the group that originally wanted to help is now an extortion racket. He said, I'm very proud to have played a small role in helping Resolute deal with these lying blackmailers and extortionists. Patrick, that's that's a big claim against your former colleagues. Welcome to America's Voice for Energy. Thanks, Marita. It's really good to be with you. And, yes, it is a big claim, but it's unfortunately true. Right? I mean, it's been true for many years now. Uh, I, I began when I was a Ph.D. student back in the late 60s, uh, and then into the early 70s, became radicalized as an environmental activist. It was the hippie era. And I was doing my Ph.D. in ecology, which at the time was a word that was hardly known to the general public, but the emerging awareness of the environment was occurring. And <clears throat> I joined this little group in a church basement here in Vancouver, which eventually became Greenpeace. And I worked with them for six months to plan a voyage of protest against U.S. hydrogen bomb testing, in Alaska and sailed on that first campaign, which became Greenpeace, uh, and then spent the next 15 years after I got my Ph.D. in ecology full-time with Greenpeace in the top committee campaigning around the world. And when we began, Greenpeace had a very strong humanitarian uh, orientation to save civilization from all-out nuclear war. And that's the piece in Greenpeace, of course, the green being the environmental side, so Greenpeace brought these two concepts together of, of, of peace uh, among, among civilization and green environment, uh, emerging consciousness of, of, of the importance of the environment to civilization. So it was a holistic concept. But by the time I left in the mid-'80s, Greenpeace and the rest of the movement had drifted into characterizing humans as the enemies of nature or the enemies of the earth, as, we, as if we are separate from the environment and we're the only bad species. It's too much like original sin for me. And so I gradually drifted away. And by 1986, I had to leave because my fellow directors, none of whom had any science education, decided to mount a campaign to ban chlorine worldwide. And whereas chlorine can be a very toxic chemical, it's also the most important element in, in the whole world for human health and medicine. 
and like adding it to drinking water was the biggest advance in the history of public health. And most of our synthetic medicines, pharmaceuticals, are made with chlorine chemistry. And nothing I could say would convince these people to take a slightly more nuanced approach to one of the most important elements in the world. And I had to leave because I, as someone with a science background, I couldn't stay in there. But really, that was the Can I jump in here? Can I? Can I jump yes. in real quick on that? Because you do have a, a science background, wouldn't you agree that there's a whole lot of, of things that people, groups such as Greenpeace, these ENGOs, the environmental NGOs, that are, they're fighting that, like chlorine, in very large quantities can be very dangerous, but in small quantities are, are very beneficial and, in fact, I find that one of the things they're trying to do is to to take levels of certain of these natural chemicals below even what would be natural. Yes, and that's a fact. It, 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 they basically abandon science and logic altogether at a certain point. Uh, and that point was when society had actually responded positively to most of the important campaigns that the environmental movement waged early on. Clean air and water, for example. Uh, save the whales. Stop nuclear testing. All of those things were reasonable and important. But as, the, as, as society adopted the environmental mission, uh, the environmental groups, in order to remain in opposition, which is the only way they can retain their fundraising and their separate identity as if they're the good guys and everybody else is the bad guys, the only way they can do that is to continually make up issues that need that, that, that they want to raise funds on. So today, for example, that not only are they against all fossil fuels and all nuclear energy and all hydroelectric dams and on and on and on, they are also basically against forestry, which is the industry where we get the most renewable resource there is in all of civilization. But wood is the most important renewable building material, and it's also the most important renewable energy resource, especially in the developing world. And in the, at least in the industrialized world, forestry is conducted on a sustainable basis pretty well in every country in North America, Europe, most of South America, New Zealand, Australia, Japan, Russia, etc. So the, the fact is uh, wood is a really important resource, and if you don't use wood, you end up using something else like steel, concrete, or plastic. And so people have to get this into perspective. But in, in many ways, the most important thing about forestry is the more wood we use, the more trees people will grow. If nobody wanted wood, why would you bother planting trees back after you cleared a piece of land? And so today, the main thing that causes forests to be lost is, in fact, agriculture, not forestry. And these guys sell to the public the idea that because it doesn't look very nice after you've cut a forest down, they take a picture of that and say, look, this forest has been destroyed forever. No, not if it's re reforested, which is what forest companies do. So they are basically lying to the public and to the customers in the cities. Now, Resolute's the world's largest pulp producer. They have a lot of customers all over the United States, Canada, Europe, Asia, etc., and Greenpeace is going out and lying to them about what Resolute is doing. It's a big story, and I'm sure when you have the Resolute uh, person speaking or the person speaking about the Resolute story, you'll get the whole thing. But the fact is I, I coined the term blackmail in the boardroom long ago when I saw what my former colleagues were starting to do was basically going into the boardrooms of major corporations and blackmailing them into signing documents and making promises that they could then take and go to all the other 
companies in that sector and say, look, this company said they'll do it, then you should have to do it too. And it is basically a protection racket or an extortion racket, and I think RICO is just the perfect legal framework to take them on. Well, it's, it's interesting to have watched. I mean, I, it, the, the comments on my column on Town Hall and Breitbart, for example, uh, in general, my readers are really excited to hear that uh, resolute, you know, the tone I took in my column, as I said, is finally someone has the courage to stand up and counterpunch the green bullies. My readers are very enthused to hear about this. Well, and I am too, Marita, and so will millions and millions of people who've watched while Greenpeace has degenerated into this sort of tactic and, and basically lying along with it. It's not as if there's no truth to what they're saying about what Resolute is doing. The native people in the region are on Resolute's side. The mayor's there and the, and the communities are on their side because they're the only ones that are producing a large amount of employment in these northern forest regions. And every area that they cut is reforested with native trees, and they care about the wildlife and the environment and all the rest. I mean, that's, that's just normal in forestry these days is that you care about the environmental side of what you're doing and make sure there's habitat for all the animals and birds, etc. So it, it's totally uh, uh, correct to finally challenge this. The problem is when a company like Resolute has the cojones to take these guys on, all the other companies move away from them and distance themselves from them because they don't want to take the heat. And so th th this is an opportunity for the companies in Canada that have not really supported Resolute to get behind them, especially the Forest Products Association of Canada, which is the industry association. They, too, have tended to pander to the Greens who just move the goalposts one more time every time they make a concession yeah, to them yeah. and, and, and until there would not be any forestry in this country, which is one of the biggest industries in the country. And our forests, actually Canada's forest land, is larger in area today than it was 100 years ago due to the reforestation of lands that were previously cleared for farming wow. because, because farming is now more intensive and can produce far more food per acre than it could back in 1900. And so not quite as much land is required we're growing food even though we're growing three to five times as much food on a smaller area of land so p people have to get the pers into perspective land use and the use of land for growing food the use of land for growing trees the use of land for cities and factories and the use of land for wilderness and protected areas and in north america we actually have a pretty good mix of that there's nothing really serious to complain about and we have cleaned up the water and cleaned up the air, and we can do even better. And that's where we should be focused is doing better in all of the industries we have. And many companies are doing that. But, and Resolute's one of them. And yet they, they become the, the victim of this vicious attack, which is costing them tens or hundreds of millions of dollars in their marketplace by these people using Resolute, lying about them, and then raising probably tens of millions of dollars for themselves from their willing donors who believe what they're saying. I mean, all, all Greenpeace has to do is get 1% of the population to agree with what they're saying, uh, usually the fanatics who are against everything, and then they send yes. them money. And so Greenpeace gets you know, some hundreds of, thousands, hundreds of millions of dollars a year from people who are basically opposed to more or less everything.
Yeah, we've got just about a one minute left, Patrick, and, and our next guest is going to go into this a little more in depth. But you mentioned that you think RICO is the perfect vehicle for this. Can you explain that in that, amount, that brief amount of time? Well, the irony here is that the attorneys general, the 16 attorneys general for clean energy, as they call themselves, who are actually attacking the people who are skeptical of the climate catastrophe, which I am one of those. I do not. Yes, that includes that. both of us. It's just a complete fairy tale and a fabrication that they've made up. Carbon dioxide is the most important food for life on Earth, and more of it is good because the Earth is greening as a result of more CO2. That's another story. But RICO is perfect because, you know, even the, the, the Attorney General and Obama and, and all these attorneys generals on, on the left are all saying they're going to use RICO or they should use RICO to attack the deniers, as they like to call them. Well there actually isn't any case. Free speech means you can have an opinion on climate change without fear of being prosecuted for having an honest opinion on something. And on the other hand, Greenpeace actually is a perfect target for RICO because they are behaving like an extortion racket, because they're behaving like a mob. And that, that, that just, I'd just love to see that conviction go through and watch these other guys who say they're going to use it just fade away because there is no case. Yeah. Well, it's going to be very interesting to watch. Patrick Moore, one of the co-founders of Green in Greenpeace, uh, thanks for giving us that history lesson, that overview, and we'll be watching to see what happens. Our next guest is going to be talking about the, this particular RICO lawsuit, so please stay tuned on America's Voice for Energy. We'll be right back. Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Buzz off with Lawyer Liz. Join me each week, Wednesdays at 2 o'clock, as we talk drones, Internet of Things, and technology. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare. But for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose, and with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to America's Voice for Energy. I'm Marita Noon, and this week we're talking about a lawsuit that was filed by a company known as Resolute Forest Products. And this lawsuit is filed against Greenpeace. And on the phone with us right now for this segment, we have Michael Bowe, who is a partner with Kazowitz, Benson, Torres, and Friedman, who's going to tell us uh, about the lawsuit and, and what's happened and some, some things along that line. So, Michael, thanks for joining us today on America's Voice for Energy. Happy to be on. 
So I, help us understand first, because this is unique in, well, first off, it's unique in my opinion that a resource company, and I call it a resource company because I in general deal with energy issues, not logging or forestry type issues, but every now and then I deal with these kind of issues because, as I like to say, we all have the same, same enemies. We're all kind of fighting the same fight. It's a natural resource. Uh, type of battle. Would you agree? Well, I'm not sure if I have enemies, but I, I, I would agree that <laughs> I would agree that I would agree that um, there are there are there is a natural sort of um, adversarial relationship, unfortunately, in some respects between um, people and 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 companies that are engaged in the um, harvesting of natural resources for the betterment of other people and the use of other people in our economies and all that, and uh, people who are call themselves environmentalists. I don't. I don't personally see those two, two things as needing to be adverse. Um, and I think there are a lot of responsible people who um, are in both of those camps, including this client Resolute, that is a uh, obviously a timber company, but is extremely environmentally conscious. So I don't. I don't think those are necessarily uh, natural enemies, but I do think there are extremists on, 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 on the environmental side, not everyone on the environmental side, but certain organizations on that side um, that make themselves or, or view, them, view uh, resource companies as the enemy. Yeah, most, and I agree with you totally that, that they don't have to be on the opposite, opposite sides, that the, most of these companies, I mean, I'm sure there's a few bad actors out there and there's accidents that happen from time to time, but in this day and age, most of these companies, whether they be ranching, whether they be farming, whether they be logging, whether they be energy or mining, are, uh, you know, doing so uh, with environmental consciousness in mind without the intent, especially those that are in the farming or timber ranching kind of industries where if you don't take care of your resource, basically you're out of business. Right. I think that's an important, that's a very important um, element for people to understand. I, mean, I don't think anyone thinks twice about the idea that, you know, a, a, a farmer of peanuts or wheat or, or oranges or, or whatever uh, harvests uh, those those um, harvests all those and and then replants them and we all think that's very natural and um, with respect to the timber industry it's it's basically the same thing it's obviously a much longer cycle um, but it's a renewable resource and uh, it is correct that that there are com the the majority of companies uh, I would say the vast majority of companies that are in yeah. Uh, in that sector are extremely responsible because their livelihoods depend on it. Um, if they don't do that, then they'll go out of business. Um, and no one does anyone, uh, no one does the environment any 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 favors or, or any, provides any benefits if you are pointing the finger at the wrong people. Uh, the finger should be pointed at bad actors, and frankly, the responsible actors. Um, in, in, in all these industries feel the same way because they're playing by a set of rules and standards that uh, are important, um, and no one wants people outside of those rules. Yeah, so Greenpeace, uh, with, in this particular case, has waged really, in my opinion, a war against Resolute Forest products trying to shut them down. And so Resolute has 
um, reacted by filing a lawsuit in the United States on May 31st, and they filed a RICO lawsuit, a civil RICO lawsuit. Can you explain first what RICO is, and then what, what's the difference between civil and what would be the other option? Uh, well, the only option for Resolute is a, is a civil action. I mean, uh, the, 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 the other alternative is a criminal action, but only the government criminal, can okay. bring that. Um, so right. RICO stands for Racketeering, um, Racketeering Influence Corrupt Organizations Act. It goes uh, way back many, many decades. Um, and it is basically designed to address a situation where you have uh, what's called an enterprise um, under the law, which is an association of fact, a group of people and entities that are sort of acting in concert in a particular way who carry out their activities um, through the violation of um, certain statutes that are that are enumerated and it is set up for that type of that type of situation where you have a a group a network uh, that operates um, that is associated with each other it operates in concert um, and does so in a particular way uh, that is prohibited um, and it allows if you are uh, somebody an entity or a person who's been adversely affected by that it allows you to bring a civil case under the under the RICO statute even if the government doesn't bring um, uh, an action on its own. Okay, so I understand that now. It's very helpful. Thank you. So we've got Greenpeace, and they're acting in concert with others as an enterprise. Do I my understanding correctly? Well, what the complaint alleges is that the green that the Greenpeace itself is basically an association of various organizations across across the world. So you have Greenpeace International, which is in Europe. Uh, which is legally, technically, a distinct organization from Greenpeace USA and the Greenpeace Fund in the U.S. and Greenpeace Canada and Greenpeace elsewhere in, in, in the world. Uh, but they but they operate under the banner of Greenpeace. Those organizations in the U.S. and Canada and throughout the world pay Greenpeace International for the right to use uh, the Greenpeace name. It almost it's like a licensing fee. Um, and the money money flows up and through the organization in various ways. So while they're technically, from a pure legal, uh, uh, they're not parents, they're not subsidiaries, they're not affiliates, uh, but they are a network and they do they do work together and they have these relationships together. So those Greenpeace, those members of the Greenpeace network, if you will, or association, um, are part of what we've alleged is the enterprise, as well as uh, certain other environmental groups that have been part of. Um, part of the attack on Resolute. Are there any other environmental groups that are that have been a part of the attack on Resolute that you can name at this point? Well, there's a there is a another defendant is uh, uh, Forest Ethics, which is now called Stand. Okay. So a defendant in the action also. Okay. So where is this going to go from here? What what might we watch for, and what might we expect? Uh, well, look, it's a legal process, so it's a little bit like uh, it's not unlike, in some ways, you know, harvesting timber. It, it, it takes, you know, it, it doesn't. There's nothing immediate that there's no immediate result that comes out of a legal process. So, um, we will be serving uh, the Greenpeace entities, um, which will take a little bit of time, the way the way the statutes are. Um, but in about, I would say, in about 30 to 60 days, uh, they would need to respond to the complaint, where they'd have to either admit deny or explain their responses to all the allegations. Uh, they might move to dismiss the complaint on legal grounds. 
And as soon as all that's resolved, we'll have discovery. We will have, uh, we'll serve document demands on all those entities for emails and internal documents and financial documents um, that relate both to their um, actions directed at Resolute, but also their relationships with each other. Um, and you know, if you've read the complaint, a big a big focus of our complaint is about their fundraising, um, and whether the things they are saying about Resolute are directed more toward. Um, uh, what is actually the case or whether it is directed more toward what will most likely generate um, the most donations. Um, after the documents are exchanged, people will be put under oath and be examined in depositions, which will be videotaped. Um, and then when that's all done, there will be another round of motions and then a trial. So do uh, you think, I mean, this is going to take years, I guess. Uh, hopefully not. Um, we would like to be a trial by the next fall if we could. We, we, we hope to move this really? along very quickly. Um, obviously, um, it, it takes two to tango. Um, Greenpeace, uh, as the defendants, defendants often have an interest in delaying proceedings, but um, presumably they are as interested in getting to the merits of all this as, as we are, and uh, we, we hope we can move this very quickly. Because certainly, and I know you're not involved in the case in Canada that was filed in May 2013, but in that case against Greenpeace, uh, filed by Resolute uh, Forest Products, Greenpeace has delayed and tried to get the case thrown out and, and tried various uh, legal maneuvering to delay the case, it seems. Well, I mean that's what lawyers do, right? We're paid. We're paid to do that, but it's ultimately the client's the client's decision whether they want to make motions and uh, try and get cases dismissed or or not or, or stop the case from going to a judge and a jury for a final determination. And um, you know, it still waits to be seen what they'll do in the United States. But um, but the, we believe that 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 the best way to air this would be in front of a jury in the public court. Um, and we can. They obviously uh, have a very strong view. I'm sure. Uh, in the opposite direction that we've alleged, and um, it would, it, we're prepared to sort of put all that out in the public in front of a judge and a jury, and, and with evidence, real evidence, um, and, uh, and 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 let the chips fall where they may. Sure, I mean it's a 124-page complaint, so I won't, I won't, uh, and it's, I, I think the Washington Post has posted it somewhere, so we're not disseminating it. But yes, and I have a link accusing Resolute of being the forest destroyer of the boreal forest in Canada, and of um, des destroying the forest in such a way that they're endangering woodland caribou, um, that they are impairing the forest's ability to uh, mitigate climate change, um, and that they're doing it in a way that is impoverishing, I'm using their words, uh, the local indigenous communities. And all of those things are simply preposterous. I mean, um, it, real quickly, I mean, you can explain it very, very quickly and very, very simply to a regular person. Uh, the, it's the opposite of destroying a forest. They've planted a billion trees, over a billion trees, uh, in the boreal forest. They're responsible for virtually zero permanent deforestation in, in the boreal forest. That's about as far away from destroying a forest as you can get. Um, and, and in particular irony, they've, they've planted uh, over a billion trees, uh, and that's a billion more than Greenpeace has planted. Um, in terms of uh, the caribou, um, they, in 2010, Greenpeace hailed an agreement and a commitment from Resolute and others uh, not to harvest in an area that they claimed, quote, protected virtually all of the woodland caribou habitat. Um, and to this day, Resolute has not harvested in that, in that area but for 
a very uh, minuscule 0 0.004 of a percent. I mean, point. 4%.004 of that habitat. So it can't be that the woodland caribou went from being completely protected to endangered by what amounts to basically a speck on a pie chart. Um, with respect to climate change, I think that might be uh, the most absurd uh, allegation. Um, even the UN uh, uh, intergovernment panel on climate change, which Greenpeace loves to cite everywhere else, has said that maybe the most important and critical mechanism for mitigating greenhouse gases is the sustainable harvesting and regeneration of, and so the best way to, I put it the way I would explain it to just regular people, is sort of like a filter in your car or anything. Uh, when it's full, you take it out, you put a new one in, and so the way you do that with forests is you cut down the old trees that are no longer uh, absorbing greenhouse gases, and you plant new ones, which which um, which absorb greenhouse gases the most as they're growing. And so yeah. to to allege those three things. Michael, I hate to interrupt you, but I'm, a, I'm way over time. My producer's going to be mad at me, so we've got to okay. stop it here. But I appreciate sure. you explaining it to us, and uh, we'll look forward to watching what goes on. All right, no problem. Thank you so much. We'll be right back on America's Voice for Energy. This is Dr. George. Join me Wednesday mornings for Medicine on Call and participate in a lively conversation. Learn what's happening behind the headlines in medicine. Understand Obamacare. And learn how to protect yourself and navigate the system. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to America's Voice for Energy. This week we're discussing the column that I wrote dealing with a company out of Canada by the name of Resolute, Resolute Forest Products. And this particular company is, I believe, stood virtually alone in the face of attack from environmental extremist groups. And in this session, we're going to talk to Yana Warsession. And Yana's written an interesting piece and got an interesting view on this whole topic, frankly, because she comes at this from a view of, of business ethics and defending business as a moral endeavor. Yana is a pro associate professor and the director of the graduate thesis program at the, I mean, I'm going to need your help, Yana, in saying this, the uh, 
it, well, anyway, I'll just say the University of Calgary, and you can give me the, the specific school information. But Yana, has, her work has been published in such journals as Organization Studies, Long-Range Planning, Industrial and Corporate Change, the Journal of Organizational Behavior, and on and on. She has written a, a book on how to be profitable and moral. So, Yana, thank you for joining us today on America's Voice for Energy. Well, thank you for inviting me. So, the school that the name I that I stumbled on pronouncing is what is it? The Hesinki? No, I know that's not it. It's Haskane School of Business. We have, All right. Uh, Richard Haskane donated lots of money to the business school, so uh, we we bear his name. Well, that we're grateful for people like that, aren't we? Yes, we are. Now, you are originally from where? I'm from Finland. Okay, great. And you're you're in, at the University of Calgary in Canada. And you know, you you wrote a piece on Resolute Forest products as I did, and yours came out the day I was writing. And so, something sorry that I didn't see it. I'd done my research, I guess, before your piece was published on June fifth. But you have some unique perspectives that I'd like to draw out. Um, in this, this our 13 minutes that we have to talk together. And one of the things I highlighted in your, your post is that, that you, are a, you want to defend the right to do business and make profits. And you say that that is in the long-term self-interest by the standard of human survival and flourishing. And I'm just going to read this one paragraph from your column and then basically uh, give you the floor here. You write in this post, and the title of this, for those who want to look it up, is Resolute Stance for Human Flourishing, colon, Resolute Forest Products Sues Greenpeace. And in that you say, a company that wants to to pursue its self-interest to survive and to maximize its profits in the long term must first claim the moral high ground. It must recognize that its production of material values, such as pulp and paper, is good because we, including the company and all those with whom it trades, need material values to benefit our lives. It must also grasp that the ENGOs, such as Greenpeace, are doing the opposite. They are trying to diminish human survival and flourishing by de-industrialization for the sake of a pristine planet not exploited by people. Such ENGO attacks against value-creating business are unjust. They are attacking the good for being good by promoting what is bad for human life. Yana, this is a real um, different perspective from what we, we tend to think of. I think so many of us for so long have listened to the environmental viewpoint that all business, all development is bad, that most of us are afraid to stand up and say what you've said. 
Yes, and I think that's that's why I want to say it. I think um, business uh, is a force for good. Uh, business is good for for all of us. Business creates, the, as I said, the material values that we all need. Without business, uh, our lives would be greatly diminished. You know, we would not be able to survive, or we could survive, but it would be a lot harder. So I think, therefore, business really should be praised for what it does. And when I say that business is moral and is doing good, uh, I am talking about business as as an endeavor, as a um, you know, as, as enterprise. And I'm not talking about uh, uh, companies, some companies that actually might violate other people's rights and all that. But the basic, you know, purpose. The basic premise. The basic yeah, premise of it. Basic purpose of business, of course, is good. Business is a force for good in the world. Now, what kind of reaction have you had? Any reaction to this specific post about Resolute, or to your overall larger uh, point that you that you make? Well, yeah, every now and then I do. I mean, for this particular post, and I don't think any negative comments so far. But uh, overall, um, I do get sometimes uh, criticisms. From people who hold the view that you know business is greedy, exploitive, uh, uh, destructive, you know all those kinds of things. Usually, people uh, you know on, on on the left, uh, you know, sh- uh, hold those kinds of views, and uh, and and they just you know accuse me of uh, of not seeing things uh, for what they are. But I think you know, they are distorting things too because it's uh, it's this idea that you condemn all business based on on some um, some players. That, that pretend to be, you know, business people and, and actually are crooks and violate others' rights. But, you know, most business could not survive and exist if, if really that was the premise on which they operate. Um, most business is interested in long-term profitability and, and, uh, and following the laws and respecting others' rights. Yes, and you pointed out in this piece that, for example, with Resolute uh, Forest Products, that it's in their best interest to keep the forest healthy uh, and because without them, they have no business. Yeah, exactly. So their, their entire business model depends on, on uh, being good stewards of the, of the forest uh, that, that they harvest and, and use for uh, producing a pulp and paper. Yeah, and I was asking you about what kind of pushback you get because there is, I believe, this kind of automatic assumption that the environmental groups like Greenpeace, for example, um, that they're the ones who are always doing good. For example, on my Twitter page, I have someone who has kind of made it, I don't know, his career, his hobby, his whatever, uh, to attack me. And uh, based on my column today, finally, courage to counterpunch the green bullies, he responded with, this woman has never found a polluter she didn't like. Now, I just ignore his comments and let them go there. But I I think that there is a a certain perception out there that they're the ones who are right and all the businesses, they're the polluters. Right. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's and it's a it, like it, it's a funny thing. I mean, I did. Uh, I have defended Resolute uh, Forest Products before. I think last summer sometime, and you know that generated a lot of responses. That yes, similar to what you had received, negative comments like that. This is not to say that 
business, like, you know, it, well, any kind of industrial production, whether it's, it's uh, uh, developing forest products or whatever, sure, there's pollution, but, you know, pollution can also be dealt with. It doesn't have to be damaging. You know, we have all kinds of technologies to deal with that. Certainly. With, with uh, emissions, uh, whether they are um, into the air or, or, or water. And you always have to look at it. Well, what is, you know, what is the standard? The standard is human flourishing. And if we say we stop all industrial production now, well, human flourishing is diminished, you know, and, and the industrial production is more beneficial just than the, the little bit of pollution that we have to deal with as a consequence. And, and, you know, if, if we pollute it to the extent that, the, that we couldn't live here anymore, that wouldn't be in, in, uh, in our, um, uh, our self-interest um, anyway. So, Yeah, certainly. So what, you know, I, I think I know the answer is based on what you said, but what do you find is, is their motive, the people who are, such as Greenpeace, who are attacking Resolute, what do you find is their motive? I think they're nihilists. They hate humans. <laughs> yeah, well, that was kind of where I thought you might go, because you're talking about human flourishing and, uh, you know, how this, is, how this is important. So what, why have companies, I mean, Resolute, I believe, as I said in my column, and you've said the same thing, you've praised uh, the CEO of Resolute in your work, as did as Peter Foster. I didn't go that direction. I went a little bit different direction. I don't need to say the same thing you all have said. But um, why is it that historically here, recent history that is, companies have not stood up for themselves, that they don't get their voice out there more effectively? Um, I think they fail to understand that they have to uh, uphold certain principles uh, to defend themselves. They have this idea that if they just appease all of their critics, the critics will be silent and they will go away and leave them alone. But that, of course, never happens. It's like, you know, a schoolyard bully. This bully will never go away if you just try to appease them. You have to stand up to them and, and defend. You know, in this case, you know, business has to defend its rights to produce values and make profits. And if, if they say, well, we'll do whatever your critics ask of us, there will be no end to that. And why this happens, I think, is that, you know, the, the idea is that if you are on the right side, on the side of human flourishing, uh, um, uh, then you need to defend that. And those who are attacking that, human flourishing, that is, you know those. You know they they are holding the wrong principle, and 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 if you appease them, you know they will win. And if you stand up and defend yourself, you know you have a, have a chance of winning at least. Do you find that the public um, is awakening, perhaps, to the um, anti-human uh, elements of? the environmental movement who I've called the green bullies? Yes, I think, you know, there is awareness of that. Like, you know, just the kind of the, the person on the street is a lot more aware of that. I think the, the, uh, the, um, uh, the environmental propaganda is, is more clear to people now. I think the big thing was... Uh, it's, more the, clear, it's more clear as propaganda. That's right. You remember okay. the... Uh, the uh, the email um, <laughs> email gate at the University of East Anglia where sure. yeah yeah when the research climate gate 
have to exaggerate, yes, that's right, we have to exaggerate, you know, the bad results and make things look more catastrophic so that, you know, you know, people, people will be on our side. So it's very clear that there's manipulation uh, versus presenting just factual results of, of research. Uh, well, uh, we're, we're about out of time here. I can't believe it how quickly the time has flown by talking with you. I appreciate your viewpoint. Can we tell our, our listeners how they can find uh, your specific piece on uh, Resolute? Yes. If, if, well, they, well, my name is hard, but the website is www.profitableandmoral.com, and that was all just one word before that. Okay, so it's not .com, actually, the word dot and the word com is spelled out. That's right, yeah, profitableandmoral.com, yeah. Uh, and is that your personal blog post site? That's, yeah, that's my website, yeah, where I blog. So you can find my blog there. Okay, well, I hope people will check you out. I'm delighted that we've made your acquaintance, and I'm sure we will touch base again. We've been talking with Yana Session, and Yana is with the University of Calgary. And uh, please check out her post, Resolute Stance for Human Flourishing, Resolute Forest Products, Sue's Greenpeace. Thanks for joining us today on America's Voice for Energy. We'll be right back. Whether cruising the strip at a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government, as well as those involved in legal cases, have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. You're listening to America's WebRadio.com the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the closing edition of America's Voice for Energy. We've been talking today about Resolute Forest products, and we've talked about different aspects of this case. We've had Patrick Moore talking to us about kind of the history of Greenpeace and how they transformed and have attacked Resolute Forest products. We've had Michael Bowe talk to us about the, the lawsuit that Resolute has filed against Greenpeace. We've had Yana Wors or I've got to remember how to say her name, sorry, Session. there we are, Yana Session talking about how the, this, the companies like Resolute can take the moral high ground. And for our final segment today, I'm pleased to have with us Peter Foster, who is a columnist with the Financial Post, has written extensively on Resolute, and he's also the author of 20 books. And his most recent is Why We Bite the Invisible Hand, available on Amazon.com. And he's working on a new one called Resource Wars, of which the Resolute story is a part. So, Peter, thanks for taking time out of your busy day to join us on America's Voice for Energy. 
Oh, you're, you're welcome, Marita. Thanks very much. But I, but I have to correct you. I think you're the one who's written 20 books. I've only written nine, I'm afraid. Oh, sorry about that. I was giving you a lot more credit. No, yes, yes, well, you it's, have it's, too much credit, yes. <laughs> well, thanks for that little correction. It's, uh, I've got written down on my notes nine books. Did I say 20? Sorry about that. Yes, yes, no. But I think you've written 20 books, right? Yeah, that is accurate. But I'm sure you will write 20, so maybe it's uh, I prophetic. So. I live that long, thanks, yes. <laughs> So tell us, you've covered this story, this Greenpeace Resolute Forest product story. I think in my research, your work came up more than anyone else's. So I'm hoping for our listeners today, you can wrap this up and kind of tell us when this happened, when did the attacks happen, what's the result, uh, where do you think this is going to go, you know, whatever you want to say about this story, because you're, yeah, you're sure. very involved in it. Uh, so, well, I, I, I started looking at this general topic of environmental NGOs shaking down corporations uh, more than a decade ago. It started with, uh, with forest ethics, uh, which, is what, which is party to this, uh, this suit that Resolute is bringing. Uh, when mm -hmm. uh, for, forest ethics uh, staged an assault on Victoria's Secret, the lingerie company, uh, and it announced that after two years of research, it had found that uh, Victoria's Secret catalogs were made from paper, and paper came from trees, and trees grew in forests. Uh, and it claimed that the, uh, the paper that Victoria's Secret was using came from the endangered old-growth boreal forest. Uh, and it staged, uh, it, it had ads in the New York Times with a sort of new Victoria's Secret model, wielding a chainsaw. It had people uh, chaining themselves literally to the New York uh, uh, store of Victoria's Secret. And in the end, Victoria's Secret simply gave in. It, uh, it stopped taking wood from a Canadian company, and it put up a million dollars for for research uh, and advocacy purposes. So Forest Ethics had won an enormous victory. Um, and then it proceeded to repeat that with various other companies, uh, threatening them with destroying their reputations, uh, and whereupon they would give in and do what uh, Forest Ethics said. My interest in Resolute began uh, as a result of an extension of this activity. There was a thing called the Canadian Boreal Forest Agreement in um, 2010, when a bunch of forestry companies, including Resolute, um, signed a deal with uh, groups including Greenpeace and Forest Ethics. And the essence of the deal was that the environmental NGOs said they would ease off with their uh, uh, negative campaigning, their do-not-buy campaigns against these companies, if the companies agreed to sit down with them. So the companies agreed to do a deal which essentially sanitized an area of the boreal forest uh, twice the size of Germany. And I, and I just want to clarify, yes. I just want to clarify because I didn't understand this when I first started writing on this story myself, that saying that you're going to sanitize a section of the forest basically means you're putting it off limits for economic development. Is that correct? Yes, absolutely. I mean, the, 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 which means that, you know, it cannot provide jobs. What do the people who live in the forest do? But this is of no concern to environmental uh, NGOs. Uh, but, but as I say, the most objectionable thing about the agreement was that it, it, was, it was essentially, it, it came about as the result of intimidation from environmental NGOs. And it, in fact, I wrote at the time that it, was a, it set a terrible precedent, because not only did it not consult with people who lived in the forest, local communities and Aboriginal groups, even governments weren't involved. So what it amounted to was a sort of non-governmental regulation 
of one of the best managed forests in the world, which, by the way, is absolutely huge. The idea that, that the boreal forest is endangered is ridiculous. It's 13 times the size of California. Uh, so anyway, this, wow. I, so I, I, I suggested that this was a terrible, terrible agreement. And in fact, it turned out to be a terrible agreement. But my interest in Resolute, as I say, one of the signatories, didn't really appear until uh, three years later when the agreement was about to expire. And Greenpeace broke away and started attacking Resolute for, it claimed, uh, flouting the conditions of the agreement. Now, usually uh, companies give in under the circumstances because they don't want their brands damaged, but Resolute, under Richard Garneau, uh, its, uh, its CEO, who, who I've described as a corporate hero, actually fought yeah. back and pointed out that they were talking nonsense, established they were talking nonsense, and amazingly, Greenpeace actually apologized. They acknowledged they were talking nonsense, but then they went back to peddling the same old lies and a bunch of additional lies as well. Thinking, of course, that Resolute would be like other corporations and simply stand down. And, and indeed, it was coming under pressure from its fellows, from other Canadian companies who were concerned that they didn't want these do-not-buy campaigns to start up again. Uh, but Resolute yeah. stood firm and, uh, and it, 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 uh, it sued Greenpeace in the end, which is astonishing. I mean, I, I said in the column, this is, this is the equivalent of man bites dog in terms of newsworthiness, although it received remarkably little coverage. Uh, so anyway, that, Greenpeace has now been writhing for two years to avoid coming to court in Canada, uh, but its, its day of judgment seems to be coming closer. And now, as I... Uh, do, you think, do you think that, that that lawsuit, as I wrote in my column, that um, you know, they, they keep doing everything they can to delay that? Where, where, where do you think that lawsuit is? Yes, I mean, it's, it, 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 it is proceeding towards court. They've, they've made a number of objections which have been overturned uh, by uh, various levels of court in Canada. And I think that, I mean, they're very keen to, obviously, they don't want to come to court. They've been claiming this is all about bullying by Resolute, but it's not. It's about truth and justice and, uh, and the fact that Greenpeace has been damaging Resolute's business and destroying jobs, and that should not be allowed. And what amazes me is that it has been allowed to, to go on uh, for so long. So, and then, then of course, they, they brought this RICO suit in the U.S., which is, which is upping the ante again, and, and I think stands to be a, a landmark case. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right. It is a landmark case, and hopefully uh, others will follow that. So do you have any idea how they decided to go with a RICO charge? It seems a little bit um, dramatic. Well, it, yeah, I mean, it's often claimed that RICO cases are inappropriately used. But in this particular case, uh, Greenpeace can hardly complain about the misuse of RICO since it suggested that RICO be used against ExxonMobil for allegedly sowing doubt about climate change. Well, of course, uh, you know, since uh, climate change, or, or to give it its, its correct name, projected man-made catastrophic climate change is yes, just a theory. Yes. You cannot hide the truth about it because there is no truth. It's still a theory which is in the, you know, we, we, do, we do not understand the science of, of the climate, but you're not allowed to say that. But anyway, so Greenpeace has suggested as, as part of a more general witch hunt against ExxonMobil, um, that RICO be used against it, so it can hardly complain about RICO being used uh, against it. And RICO seems uh, somewhat appropriate because, as, as you probably know, 
It was originally um, uh, concocted at the beginning of the uh, of the 20th century um, as a measure against the mob, um, and uh, which is a sort of loosely or loosely connected organisation with a common pattern of activity that engages in nefarious activities. In this case, um, extortion. And I think yeah. it's very clear that, that that's exactly what Greenpeace and uh, Forest Ethics, which is now called Stand, and various other radical environmental NGOs have been doing. They've been engaged in extortion. Yeah, and they really have been engaged in extortion. And um, that's why in my piece I, like you, applauded Resolute uh, for for their taking a stand and being bold about this. There's a gentleman you may know, and if you don't know, you might want to look him up. He's on the board of my organization, the Citizens Alliance for Responsible Energy. His name is Jim Chilton, and he is a rancher in Arizona, and not as a corporation, but as an individual little rancher. Uh, He fought the Center for Biological Diversity. They had falsified photos and uh, defamed him, and he fought the Center for Biological Diversity and received a 600000 I think it was, a $600,000 judgment. Now, rancher Jim Chilton told me he spent far more than that uh, in, in the case, but was happy to do so to, to put them in their place. And yes, to my knowledge, that's the only other victory along the lines of what we're talking about here. Yes, I, and as I say, <clears throat> corporations usually um, shy from this kind of controversy. They they give in because uh, well, I think it was um, <clears throat> I think it was Mark Twain is meant to have said that a lie can travel halfway around the world while the truth is doing up its shoelaces. Well, in this case, with <laughs> social media, a lie can travel around the world instantly before you've even mm-hmm. even thought about doing up your shoelaces. <clears throat> so this thing has to be attacked. Um, at its root, and I uh, and and I think you know, Resolute has been definitely damaged by this to the to the tune of at least a hundred million dollars. In fact, Greenpeace itself admits that. Uh, so you know, they've they've admitted that they're they're trying to destroy Resolute's business, and they've put a figure on it. And now this is going to come back to haunt them, I think, as it as it should. And as you say, yes, because Resolute is asking for treble damages, which is, means they would get three times that potentially. Uh, yes, I, as I understand it, that's the way uh, the RICO is organized. And as you say, I think this may be a good example for other companies. Perhaps other companies will now stand up because all too many of them have sort of fallen in with this idea of sustainable development and corporate social responsibility and constantly bow before the demands of environmental, non-governmental organizations who, who, you know, essentially create no wealth um, and are in the business of destroying wealth. Yes, yes. And we talked about that with uh, Jana Warsession, that, that very idea. So, Peter, we're out of time. I appreciate you taking your time today uh, to, to join us. Can you, we've got about 30 seconds. you want to tell us about your new book, Resource Wars? Yes, well, I mean, uh, the, the Resolute case, in fact, uh, made me decide I should write a book on the resource wars because, as you, as you may know, there was, there's been an enormous attack on the oil sands in Canada. Yes, and the yes, I've been of, there to the oil sands. Yes, and the blocking of the Keystone XL pipeline, which President Obama turned down, is, is part of this. And there's been an enormous campaign, which is funded by uh, a lot of American foundations, 
uh, to stop yeah. development in Canada. And I, you know, I think that needs exposing, and that's what I plan to expose. Well, good. Well, we appreciate it. I hope folks will check out your books on Amazon.com. We've been talking with Peter Foster, a columnist for the Financial Times out of Montreal. Thanks for sharing the story of a Resolute with us. And, folks, I hope you'll join us again next week for another edition of America's Voice for Energy. Thanks for listening. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.